0: T-minus
1: 10, 9. You're listening to the Launchpad Podcast with J-Man.
0: Brought to you by Galat Media.
1: Here's your host, J-Man. And welcome once again to the Launchpad Podcast. Uh, This face that you see right here on your screen is a familiar face from her time at TSN as well as the score. She's a multiple Emmy award winner, which is so badass. Why? Because she did such a great job of keeping fans on top of their favorite teams. That would be Anaheim, the Mighty Ducks, the Washington Capitals, and the Philadelphia Flyers, also some of our favorite players and most epic players of all time. Uh, Please welcome Lisa Hillary to the Launchpad podcast.
0: Hi, guys. Good to be with you, Jay.
1: Yes, well, thank you for being here. Once again, I'm going to do that a whole bunch of times because I'm Canadian, eh? And (laughs) I really think it's fantastic that I have you as a friend. We met by some very odd circumstances. Number one, where you were in your life and also where I was in mine. Now, when I left college, Lisa, and I had to write out something along the lines of an essay as to what it is that I wanted to achieve in radio. And I told them what I didn't want, and that was that I didn't want to work in a small town, and I didn't want to do country music. And go figure, after six years of struggling in Ottawa and not getting my own shot, I end up at a station called Star 96, Star 96 FM. (laughs) And I'm there for a little bit, and lo and behold, this familiar face comes to this teeny little station in Pembroke, Ontario. Where were you in life that brought you to that station at that time?
0: Well, and it's funny. I can't remember. I think I I try to think of like years, right? I'm like really bad. I mean, once you get to be 50, you're like, everything is just like, things aren't a blur, but years are a blur. So it's like, I remember the time. I can't tell you exactly when it was. I definitely remember being up there in 2000, new millennium and all that. and Everyone thought the world was going (laughs) to die. Anyway, um, to get back on track so i had been up there before being involved in, in radio i did tv up there so my first experience 1996 first of all i started doing pr for the ottawa senators but i always wanted to be in in television so i started the pr route the local station the new ro uh, came to town but they already had Ken rare they had leanne lang they were amazing friends of mine um so their sports people were taken so there was an opportunity to be a general assignment reporter but kind of like you, it was like, you got to start somewhere. Well, I shouldn't say kind of like you, because you, you know, we all want to start somewhere big, right? But it was like, You're not no, going to hurt
1: my feelings, Lisa. <laughs> Trust me. You
0: know what? I really don't care. Um, anyway, so there was this opportunity up in, up in the valley. And I thought, why not? First of all, it's not that far from Ottawa. I really did not know anything about Pembroke. Um, but I was kind of like you. I was like, you know what? I'm like an outdoorsy person. I, I visited Pembroke. I was like curious more about these sort of outlying areas where I could just, you know, shoot into Pembroke. So I looked at Westmeath and Beachburg, fell in love with the Beachburg area. So got a cottage, literally this little cottage, two bedroom cottage, 400 bucks a month um, in Beachburg on the, on the beach, um, on the Otto River and uh, took the job Monday to Friday, general assignment sports or general assignment reporter. So I did that and then got promoted, went back to Ottawa, and I anchored the news um, there and then kind of moved on and did some other things. And then, you know, you and I had a, we had a mutual friend, someone that we knew, uh, you knew him more at the Bear. Uh, what was his name?
1: Gord Taylor, the G-man. T- yeah.
0: Right. So he um, had heard that, you know, my contract was coming up wherever I was. And thought, you know, maybe she'd be interested in coming back to the Valley, what the hell, I'll, I'll reach out to her. And he did. And, um, you know, we played a, a little, you know, back and forth in terms of negotiating a contract, what I felt that I was worth, um, having never done radio before, but I was like, I, you know, I can figure this out. I had a great co-host in um, in Brian, who was, who was already up there and had been there for years. And, um, I, it was like a Monday to Friday. Um, you know, general assignment in the morning, did the, did the weather, did the news, did the sports, did the traffic one way in, one way out. <laughs> 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 That's the same all the time. But listen, I had a blast and, um, I was just home you know visiting the family three weeks ago and one of the things on on my on my list and people to see were up in the valley and I went up there and spent a couple of nights with a good friend of mine Kara McGuire and her family and I just there's something special about the Ottawa Valley about the people and um, it just it it was a lasting impact uh, in in my life and, and a point in my life I will never forget
1: and we were talking before we went live with the podcast that the showcase that I do is actually in Petawawa. So the business now that I do happens to be in the Ottawa Valley, and my heart also belongs in the Valley. So I know exactly what it is that you're talking about. Now, to go back just a little bit, uh, we were also talking about your stint with the Sens here in Ottawa, and we were talking about how being a female broadcaster now is no big deal. In fact, I think I see more of them than I do men, like on the field and things of that nature. Yeah. You were a female sports broadcaster when that was just not a thing. Mm-hmm. And we had kind of gone over things like what it was like for females to be in the locker room. Or, I mean, you're obviously an attractive blonde. <laughs> and, you know, to have to fight through these stereotypes of just being some ditzy blonde that's just there to get some answers out of the guys after the game, be a pretty face. What was it like growing up in that period of time as a female broadcaster being dominated by males in the industry?
0: Yeah, I mean, I go back to 96 um and I was I was pretty young, you know, I had spent a year at Algonquin College in broadcasting, you know, um my little side gig was working at the Palladium at the time now called the Scotiabank Place, right?
1: Uh, about- yeah, who knows what it's called I now. know.
0: I okay. Then it was the Corral Center, and then it was, yeah. So anyway, I think it was Palladium, 1996. And I was working in the suites, you know, just, you know, serving food, serving beers. And it just so happened that one of my suites was um, Roy Malacher and um, Pierre Gauthier's suite at the time, who was the general manager, and Roy was the president. And you know, you see these same faces all the time, and these guys weren't obviously drinking because they were working. And they were one of my suites. And I remember them asking me, you know, you know, what do you want to do? What do you and I was like, you know, I really want to work in sports. Um, obviously broadcasting would be great, but I'll take, you know, anything to, you know, to just to break in. And um, anyway, there was an opening to to be in PR as the assistant PR director for the Ottawa Senators, and I'm like, 20, 21, like early twenties. Um, anyway, got the job. Next thing you know, I'm traveling with, you know, the na- a National Hockey League team. I mean, it was crazy, the things, you know, and this is before they had like a team travel person. No, so you're pretty much doing everything. You're doing all the game notes, you know, for the media, but you're also looking after all of these guys to make sure that they're, they're on the bus to the airport, on the plane. All, then I get, we get there and then I got to get off the bus, get into the hotel, before they do to make sure that all the envelopes are there and all that. I mean, right. it was like, I was in over my head, didn't act like it.
1: But... Who was, who was the biggest pain in the ass keeping in line?
0: Alexander Dagg. you remember that name? Really? I do. Oh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think everyone in Ottawa does. <laughs> Him and Bonk. Yes. Yeah.
0: He was there. Yashin was there. I mean,
1: it was it, a great team.
0: Uh, it was a great team. Right. And then, I mean, I'll never forget. I mean, Wade Redden I mean Chris Phillips I mean Wade Redden had I mean I was he was 18 and you know 17 or 18 and I remember his first day you know he, he came to the rink and he was just like looking around like a little kid in a candy store and <laughs> I mean was, I mean I think back now I mean I don't talk about this much so you're asking right. me and even now I kind of go wow like I was woof. so that's where I started and I, I mean there was no other females in my position um, in the National Hockey League, it was myself, or there was one other, and, and Ginger, Ginger Glass, Ginger was her name. Can't remember her last name. Anyway, she was with the New York Islanders. Um, she's now married to um, uh, what's his name from NBC Sports Network. Um, uh, uh, Gossip. Mike, Mike, Mike Milbury.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mike Milbury, the former coach. Mike okay.
0: The Islanders. Not, I'm not gossiping. This is, you know, okay. it's up there. <laughs> okay. uh, so she was with the Islanders at the time. She was doing PR. I was doing PR in Ottawa. There was no other women. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, uh, fast forward to, yeah, I, I ended up in television, did news and did sports. And yeah, you're right. There was, um, I don't remember another female you know, back when I started, uh, covering hockey, I moved to the United States in 2006 to Washington, DC, spent almost five years covering, uh, four years covering the Washington Capitals, Alexander Wetchkin, And there was a few Washington posts. There was a couple of other, um, Lindsay Zarniak who went on to have a great career with ESPN and now she's doing, um, sidelines for Fox for, uh, for the NFL. But really when I started, I mean, I, I was, so it was no women at all. And, um, and then, of course, t- even before that, you know, TSN. So, and there were these, you were all in one room, Jay. So it, now if the rooms are much different where the guys do their, their showering and they're changing. It's separate. And, and that includes the visitors because the visitor locker rooms were always a shit show because they were so small. Like, it was awful to go in a right. visitor's locker room. Like, I can't, even, I can't even tell you. So you have all these media, just about as many media, especially during the playoffs, as you did players. Right. Um, by the way, I don't think we'll ever, ever see that again. I mean, I'm I'm covering the Lakers out here, used to being in the locker room. Can you imagine, like, you know, thirty members of the media, and you don't, you there's more media in the locker room than there is players. And here you are, like, I've got LeBron's like armpit in my face. <laughs>
1: that sounds awesome I, to me. I, I see.
0: <laughs> are you kidding me? The, like now, I think about it, and I'm just like, I can't. I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> I can't even. Well, so we'll. I mean, I I promise you, we'll never see that again. It'll never happen. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, it's been great. And, and, and you're right. There's way more women now. I mean, in the morning I turn on news just to get my fix of what's going on in the world. And it, it's not uncommon to see two women. Usually you'd see a, you know, maybe a man and a woman on the desk and now it's, you know, two women. Mm-hmm. Um, do I, th- I think that's great, but I, I'm also still, you know, of the, and it's not a generation thing, it's just like, it, it's the, the best person should have the job, I, right. whether it's men or women. That's really how I think. Um, and there are a lot of great women out there. But I do believe it should be the best person for the job.
1: Right. Was there ever a female that you considered to be a role model when you're growing up? Was this something you knew you were destined to do? Or-
0: yeah, I mean, I grew up, and it was like my sister and I, but, you know, my dad sort of controlled and still to this day does, apparently, according to my mom, the remote control. So he had the little picture-in-picture picture of all the games going on, and, you know, my mom says it's, it's still the same way. It's like all day Sunday, you know, it's just the football is on. So I remember seeing Hannah Storm, seeing Melissa Stark, you know, seeing these wonderful, these women doing sidelines, and I remember saying I wanted to do that one day, and my dad, like, you know, did the old, like, Rooney, yeah, okay. Good luck with that, you know. Uh, yeah, so maybe that was another reason why it's just I had to do some sidelines. I and mean, I was grateful for the opportunity at TSN to be able to do that for the Calgary Peters when I lived out there in Calgary for a short time. But, yeah, they were definitely, you know, some of my, you know, girls that I that I looked up to but I think again it was just like you know my dad at one time only was one of the owners of the Ottawa Rough Riders so you know I was always around sports always around it and it wasn't like oh I had a love for football I had a love for hockey I just had a love for sports it just brought so much joy to to our life and we played sports growing up it was just you know, we didn't have a choice. It was like you know, pick a sport, and you can't jump around. You get good at it, and you know, maybe you can try something else. And so, I did the golf and the tennis, and and then I met boys, and that was it. That's now it. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah. That really got me nowhere. But anyway, uh, uh, that's another story. Um, yeah, so it's been fun. It's been a it's been a fun ride, and I, I don't re- I don't regret anything. People ask me that all the time. I mean, do you regret going here? Do you regret? No, everything's an experience. Hmm.
1: Uh-huh. What do you find the biggest differences in between working at a Canadian sports station opposed to broadcasting in the States? Is it more polarizing in the States? Do you find the fans in the States are more fanatic? Are they more passionate? What would you think would be the biggest difference in between us and them and you guys?
0: <laughs> well, I, mean, I think hockey, I mean, there's nobody else that does it better than than Canada. And it's not like a TSN or a Sports Night or a CBC. They all do it better. It's just... I, I mean, you grew up listening to these voices and, and the, they just know the game. And I hate saying they know the game better than American. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I mean, Philadelphia is an amazing sports town and they've got some great people there. So, you know, some former, um, you know, Keith Jones, some former guys that are actually doing the broadcast. And, and I hate saying one is better than the other, but I really it just, I just hockey in Canada. There's no better voices than, than those guys, you know, that I grew up listening to.
1: Do people in the States think that Toronto Maple Leafs suck?
0: No, I mean, I, so I'm in an area called Hermosa Beach, so there's a lot of Canadians that are down here. Okay. so. We- still see that, you know, Leafs suck, there's Canadian fans, there's Ottawa fans, there's, I mean, listen, California, you know, it's not, we don't have the passionate, you know, fan base here. There's so many other things going on.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So I do love finding, like, I'll always Google, you know, a bar, like, when there's certain teams playing to find out where it is. I don't care if it's, you know, the Patriots, and I don't even love the Patriots, but I want to be around those obsessed fans who are not from here. They're from there, and they're Mm -hmm. transparent. Mm-hmm. That's what I enjoy. But for the most part, people that are in it from LA, they're not. Um, yeah, there's so many other things that they say going on.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's stick with hockey. Uh, yeah, we, either,
0: you know, and obviously this is Laker town right now for sure.
1: Right. We can talk about Lakers. too. I've actually been <laughs> watching more basketball this year uh, than I ever have before. Mainly because there's no three-headed monsters anymore in the NBA. It was really – it was going to be all about the duos, right, and LeBron and AD out there. I don't know how LeBron didn't get the most valuable player. That is ridiculous. I don't think anybody has done more for his team. I understand that AD is there, uh, but I think LeBron proved – it looks like you disagree. I, I believe that LeBron proved with all the dimes that he's been dishing out, he's, he's evolved as a basketball player in a, in a different position – He's still putting in 20-plus a game, and he's taken L.A. from being a bum franchise to something fantastic. I thought the Greek freak, he got his last year. That was great. He has many more years to get another MVP. I thought they're going to give one to Bront in his 17th season. Are you kidding me? This guy is a dinosaur.
0: I just want to see him tone down in other areas of his life. And I think that that's where I sort of, have a problem with some of these guys and listen, obviously I'm not young anymore and I'm not, but I also look at someone like him who's been in the league for how many years? 19,
1: 17 years, going 17 on
0: 18. Years? And go 18 years. Then I'm like some of the stuff that I'm just sort of like, I don't know. I look at, again, I'm a huge Kobe fan. I, I just did a, an interview. There's a book that's coming out three ring circus with a, uh, New York Times best-selling uh, sports documentary guy Jeff Perlman, who's writing the book about this, and I just, there were so many things about Kobe that just made him so, uh, and I know there's a lot of Kobe haters out there, and I'm, I'm you know, we can, that's another story, and things that, that he's done that, you know, whatever, but I just, I think it's just the way he comes across, that it's not all about me, and, you know, I, just LeBron, it's just, I don't know, I, he, him and I went at it on uh, my first day covering the Lakers. Um, it was it was just a little bit of a tit for tat. I asked him a question, he kind of went on and on and on, uh, and he went off into this, it was about Dwayne Wade, into a direction he should not have taken the question. And I was trying to help him by kind of cutting him off, not to mention I had to be live on the air in like 60 seconds, so I had to leave the the, the scrum that we were in. So I kind of went to just say something, thinking he would just end his point. And he like looked, stared at me like darts. Like he was going to kill me. And he's like, I'm not finished. I'm not finished. Said it like twice in a row. (laughs) And um, so I was like, great. So I missed my live shot. Um, So that was awesome. And I got schooled by LeBron James and I've never asked him another question since. I just. Really?
1: All these, all these stories are talking about the Lakers armpits getting pooped on by players. Like, this is all awesome. I'd, like, do anything to be you.
0: Hockey does it so right. And they just, you know, I, 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 there's, I think there's just the respect. And, you know, you wait in a locker room for a guy like LeBron and then sometimes he, like, they decide not to talk. And the other thing I have an issue with, he sits down in the stall. He doesn't stand up. You stand up, it's so much easier for all of us. But he sits. So now we're all like trying to, and that's where like I have to like crouch down and like get in there, and it's like, dude, like right. we're trying to do a job, and just respect that. And and that's and listen, there's a lot of media out there that twist and do things in, in news and sports, and I'm sure that's pissed them off along the way, and I get it. But there are some of us that are trying to do our job, and we're doing it, and we're just just cut cut us some slack, you know.
1: LeBron, get your shit together, bro. Yeah. Get your shit together. You're <laughs> If you're watching.
0: <laughs> but no, great player and entertaining. And the three-pointer from AD. Uh, I know this is taped, but I'm sure people know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, the buzzer beater. Uh, yeah, and I can't wait to watch, you know, the next game. So it's super entertaining. I was never a basketball fan growing up. Ottawa never had a team. Vancouver did. But still, I wasn't really into it. And then when Toronto won, and then we got Kawhi here in California, I was like, right. yes. Now I'll cheer for the Clippers, you know, just right. because of the Kawhi but then yeah.
1: yeah well we all know Kawhi made a mistake and now both teams lose oh yes, well
0: I understand his move a lot of people don't know that his father was from out here and his father right. was murdered in a, in a shooting and I think he just always wanted to come back here and I get that but mm-hmm. I also think that he didn't show any disrespect and when um, right. he left which which was a good thing
1: he left on good terms look we've had players leave on much worse terms <laughs> Evans <laughs> Carter uh, yeah. But now we still love them. We love them
0: I covered that. Oh, Vince Carter. Like, yeah, now you're dating me. That's when I was at TSN in Toronto. God, yeah. I'm so old.
1: Those teams are amazing. It's too bad, you know, McGrady and Vince Carter yeah. couldn't stay together. I think if they did for sure, we would have seen a championship back then. Yeah. Uh, now, we said we're going to talk about <laughs> – hockey so let's try that out
0: <laughs> okay you probably know more than hockey i'm like the worst i'm like a fairweather fan now i kind of like have it
1: on but yeah well, it's just there uh yeah. but we we could talk about the the times that you were covering the the caps right and yeah. i mean you were there at, at a great time uh yeah. you know in regards to the the capitals franchise very exciting time in hockey mm-hmm. uh european players kicking ass uh and you had the good fortune to be by one of the most bubbly personalities. You would be considered to be one of the, I'm, I'm assuming, one of the more easy and enlightening type interviews that, that you could have. He, he's always joking around, poking fun, that busted up smile on his face. I don't know how bad it was then. Yeah, you know, yeah. What was it like uh, covering covering that franchise and those players.
0: The grade eight, uh, amazing. You know, um, I had never, you know, I'd worked in sports for many years leading up to moving to the States in 2006, but, you know, I'd never really covered one team. I mean, Toronto, but you were still doing, you know, both locker rooms. This was, you know, they brought me, Comcast Sportsnet in in DC, Mid-Atlantic, brought me there to cover the Washington Capitals. So I was, you know, immersed in that franchise for for the better part of four years. And it was an amazing experience, Um, you know, to get to know you see these players every single day, you know, they see you and, you know, and I, and I got better. I learned a lot and, you know, you kind of knew sort of, you know, where to draw the line with certain guys if you wanted to, but Alex Ovechkin was one of those guys. And I did an interview, you know, years later um, with Chris Pronger, um, who we all know. And I remember asking Chris, does the league need more Ovechkins, prongers, Jeremy Ronix? And he's like, absolutely, especially for it to grow. And I think Ovi is one of those guys that, you know, I and I think that that, that sort of personality that, you know, exudes onto other, you know, on, on other guys, and it certainly did in that locker room. And I think it's great for the game. Um, I loved him because he he always would say, he just gave everybody time, you know, he just, he gave everyone who wanted an interview an interview from what I heard anyway. I mean, from what I saw, um, kids would come to practice. These were open um, practices in, in, in Virginia. Uh, and he would sign every autograph. He didn't, he never blew anyone off and it wasn't just because he was the captain or the greatest player. That was just who he was. And, you know, I think his mother, you know, had a history of winning gold medals, you know, growing up in Russia and, and they, as, as kind of like, I don't know what the word is as strict as they were. And as, you know, they didn't exude any personality like he right. did, but it was the respect. And, you know, they lived with him the entire time I was there. I mean, he was now he's married and he has two kids, but when I was there, I mean, his parents lived with him. So, you know, the rain was, I mean, yeah, he he was wild and, you know, we, we know what he does, but for the most part, you know, there was that respect there. And I, and I, all that credit is from his parents and his mother for sure. Um, but yeah, no, just a great guy, just a great franchise. We all know Bruce Boudreaux and, and same so, sort of thing. You know, he was, he was there. Glenn Hanlon was the initial coach when I was there. And I remember he got fired on Thanksgiving. And I remember my boss saying to me, um, Bruce Boudreaux, I said, you know, Glenn Hanlon's going to get fired. And they said, well, when do you think it's going to happen? I said, I think it's going to happen tomorrow. And they said, well, it's Thanksgiving. And I was like, yeah, and? And they said, well, you don't, you don't, you don't fire a coach on Thanksgiving. And I was like, you Americans, like seriously? <laughs> Are you kidding me? They don't give a flying you know what that it's Thanksgiving. Like, no, this is business. Yeah. Anyway, sure enough, I get the call. Fired. Bruce Boudreaux comes in, and um, he was fun. I mean, we all know what he did. They what's the show that they had on television where they followed them around, and you know, the eating the chicken wings barbecue sauce all over his face, and yeah, hot know, wings. Like, Yes. Yeah. You're right. And anyway, it was um, it was great times. And uh, and then and then I went on to Philadelphia, which I remember getting the call and like, are you interested staying with the same company? Uh-huh. Um, and I initially said no because all I ever heard about from Philadelphia was then when um, the Philadelphia Phillies won. Um, won. They were going to have their what was it Their Um, their parade was going to be in the wintertime and they did. And everyone threw snowballs and you look this up at Santa Claus oh, in Philadelphia. Wow. So I remember thinking, why would I want to go to Philadelphia? They throw snowballs uh, at Santa. Santa Claus. Like I just heard all these like negative, you know? Um, so I said, no. And I remember weeks later, somebody saying to me, you're crazy. Philadelphia's a great city, not as expensive as DC. And, um, so I made it about money and said, this is what I need. And they were like, sure. And I was like, wait, what? Oh God, I didn't think you'd say yes. And they did. And, I, and, I, and again, another four years in Philly and amazing, great experience, totally different from DC, um, yeah. very different cities and one a huge sports town, you know, one not so much, obviously one a government town, one not, but um, yeah, good times.
1: And what was the highlight in Philly? Who was the, who was the player that made you feel at home the most?
0: Um, I mean, just the group of them. I mean, some kind of came and went. I mean, Pronger, I was super lucky to be in his, you know, inner circle, if you will. Um, I had that respect with him. But I could also, you know, some of these guys, you better be on your game. I mean, Chris, I remember, you know, and you're in a, and there's, you're, all your peers are around you from, you know, different networks and, you know, some of the best writers in the world and you're in a locker room and you say to Chris Pronger and Bill Belichick in football, I heard was very much like this. If you say to Chris Pronger, Hey, you know, Chris, you know, the power play wasn't so good tonight. And he'd, he'd look at you and say, really, what was it, Lisa? So you better know that it was two for five. You know what I mean? You better know that because, you know, he'll call you. And I heard Belichick was the same way. Like, oh, your offense didn't, you know, well, what do we score? What was our – you better know those numbers because they'll call you on it. Um, and and I did that back and forth with with Chris a lot. Um, always thought I had the upper hand, of course, but he'd send me a zinger, you know. But, no, great. I mean, obviously, Claude Giroux, Um, I was there briefly with with Ray Emery. God love, God love him. I mean, that was just devastating, you know, when mm-hmm. I heard that. Um, uh, always treated me with respect. And, um, yeah. So that was really sad. And what
1: Um, a talent too.
0: What a talent.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. But every, every city, I mean, God, I think about, you know, all these cities and people say to me, you're crazy. Where are you moving next? And for whatever reason, none of them really, I I, I mean, felt like home. I loved them. I loved all the places I lived in the, the cities, the people, um, But whenever I was presented with these long-term deals, it was just sort of like, oh, everything was like, oh my God, I don't know if I could just commit to that. And then I had this opportunity to move out um, after my deal was up in Philadelphia, to move out to California to cover the Anaheim Ducks. And, And actually traveling with the team on a charter was something that I had never done and you're, you're in the broadcast. I was never in the broadcast. I was in part of broadcast here and there in Philly and in DC, but never game in and game out every single game. So that was sort of a bucket list thing and something I wanted to do. Um, and I did. And it was a great it's experience. People don't realize, you know, they think it's super glamorous, and you're traveling on this big, beautiful plane, and you have stakes and you have... You know steak tartare and and all Mm. this great food and you do you really do and you get really fat um, (laughs) When you're not working out like they are Um, But it's grueling. I mean you get back, you know John Wayne Airport in Anaheim In Orange County has a curfew of nine o'clock. So we weren't allowed to fly back in there so any flights that we took were out of LAX so we would land at LAX, and now you've got to drive from LAX when you land from an East Coast trip, and then drive home to Orange County. So a lot of the times, I wasn't getting to bed till 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh. And then you know, if you had a game the next day or the day after that, you're up, you've got to be at practice. So, you know, um, sure, there's glamorous parts of the job, but I mean, it's, and again, for women, the guys, it's a little bit different. You know, you can have a couple of beers as a broadcaster and go on on the air the next day. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know, I don't just like... Roll up, and you know this. This takes a lot, and this is like not not happening right now. So I apologize to all the viewers out there.
1: Now I know the real Lisa Hillary, (laughs) and I remember you being in the studio. We'll just leave some things out. (laughs) You're you're like you're one of the guys. We'll just leave it at that.
0: Uh, If my mother hears you say this, I'm in trouble.
1: Really? Okay. Well, we'll just stop there. Just like (laughs) you're. You're one of the dudes at the very least, you're incredibly versatile, and it doesn't matter who you're around, you can blend and obviously, dealing with the n h l it's a lot of dudes, and you just have to be able to fit in and I can see you as being one of those individuals. It's like, "Hey, Lisa, you know like come on, come on over, and they're like buy a couple of drinks, this and that, yeah. maybe you're staying out a little bit later than you should yeah uh." What was your experience like in Anaheim in regards to like a highlight, something that you can remember that will probably stick with you until your last moments, that kind of thing?
0: Yeah. I mean, again, I'm pretty lucky and I think it's it's how I grew up. My dad was a, like a guy's guy and, you know, I'd like to think that I can like turn it off and put on a pretty dress and, you know, I, and I can do that. But at the end of the day, you know, we spoke about it off air and I'm not. Ashamed to admit it. You know, you can take the girl out of Canada, but you can't take the Canadian out of the girl. I still drive till this day an F-150 pickup truck. People think I'm crazy, but in California, the drivers are nuts. So, you know, I sit back, I relax, and it's not like a ghetto. You know, I have air conditioned seats. It's a nice truck. Fancy. Um, and I, I love it, but I'm up nice and high. I see everybody and I can also still mess with people on the road. Um, so um no, I, you know there's a fine line, Jay, when, and I, and I go back to 96 and I'll, I remember Pierre Gauthier saying to me, even in Ottawa, I'm like, this is my hometown. If I walked into even a restaurant, even if I was with my family, my friends, if I walked into a restaurant or a bar and one of our players, cause of course I was being paid by the Ottawa center. So I was not on television, but he said, and I was doing assistant PR. He said, if there, if one of our players is in there, you have to leave. And I remember like, what, why do I have to leave? I'm having dinner with my family. He said, I don't, I don't want you anywhere (laughs) near them because people talk and he's absolutely right. I mean, the things that I hear secondhand that I did or may have done or whatever, I'm just like, wait, what? But my favorite is, I guess it was, was it last year or the year before? Um, I was sitting at a great spot in, in here in, in West Hollywood. And, um, what team was it? I think it was the um, Edmonton Oilers, and one of the players um, on Edmonton, he had played for the Anaheim Ducks previously when I was there, and uh, he had had a couple of drinks. I'm with my friends, and and I'm not at this time, and you know, I'm in real estate now, so I just do freelance television. I'm no longer working full time in broadcasting. Anyway, he comes up and he's like, "Hey, Lisa, good to see you." And he's like, can I sit down?" I said, "Sure, you know why not? This is my friend, and I introduced him." and you know, and I'm like, old, oh, I'm old enough to be this guy's mother, by the way. And uh, he says to me, I gotta tell you something. And he said, you know, it might hurt your feelings. And I'm like, no, nothing hurts my feelings, trust me. What? What? What is it, what do you got? He said, I have to tell you that the entire team in Anaheim, um, coaching staff, you know, medical, dental, all that, we all thought that you were a lesbian. <laughs> and I said, okay, why? why was that? He said, because you never hit on any of us. Mm. So it wasn't because I wasn't married. It wasn't because I didn't have a boyfriend, which I did at the time. But I never talked about my personal life. But it was because I never hit on any of them. So that just bothered me. Because I thought, it's like, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So you you do your job. You don't get involved. But yet, then they think you're a lesbian. I mean, can you imagine? Like, I I just... I mean, and this is like, I have friends that are lesbians. This is not, this is nothing to do with that, but this is what he thought of of me because I was just staying in my lane, doing my job, not, you know, fraternizing, you know, with the players. And I mean, listen, I could have fun. I could do this, but you know, when they did ask me to go out or, you know, Hey, grab a beer with us. Yeah, no, not, not, not here. So you're better not to. And that's what I say when people ask me now, like, you know, young kids, new millennials that are trying to get involved in broadcasting. You know, I offer that kind of advice. Just don't, because everyone wants to be your buddy, mm-hmm. um, and there are some genuine people out there. But there's other people on the outside that look at that, and um, and it doesn't. Unfortunately, that's where women we get a bad rap because you right. can't be friendly to somebody without thinking that maybe you're
1: you're you're overstepping. You were you were there when Timu was there, correct? I was. I, I yes. covered
0: him last year. Thanks for asking. I'm glad you asked that because um, that was, yeah, definitely one of the highlights um, of my broadcasting career was covering Timo Silani in his, in his final year in the National Hockey League.
1: Yeah. And what was so special about that for you?
0: Well, I, you know, being involved, you know, not in just home games, road games, traveling with them, being on the plane, a couple of Timo stories. I mean, one, you know, going for him, going back to Edmonton was so special, you know, where he started his career. And we talked about Alex Ovechkin signing every autograph. I mean, can you imagine the following that this guy had, especially in, in Winnipeg when all yeah. they have is, you know, you know, is their blue, uh, is their, their blue bombers and, their, um, and their, their hockey, the Jets, you know, so at the time. So um, this guy would stand outside. The bus is waiting to go to the airport. We've got a flight to catch. And this guy, you know, it's 40 below zero, um, snowing, and he's signing every damn autograph. And I remember, like the captain Ryan Getzloff, and, and Corey Perry, just like just looking out the window going, Lisa, like what, what's this guy doing? I'm like, I, well, you know, I don't, I don't know, sign autographs, you know. I'm warm, I'm toasty, I'm good in here. But, I mean, this guy just, you know, he he just he loved it so much. He loved the attention, but he was so good at giving back, right? Um, another great story. He would sit behind me on the airplane. Um, for whatever reason some of these guys like have their own spots and where uh, where my seat was I mean I had my own spot and it was always like that whatever it was fourth behind the, the bulk or whatever And he was sitting behind me and I never forget we were flying to, uh, to Vancouver to play the Canucks and I thought we were gonna die Um kind of like I did three nights ago when I went through my first earthquake We can talk oh. about that after but um, there was a severe storm um coming through Vancouver and like even just like looking out the window and the lightning and the thunder but Jay I'm not kidding you the airplane was like I'd never experienced anything like it like it was and then when I'm looking around and I'm seeing these like tough guys you know like Dustin Penner and like these you know like freaking out yeah and they fly all
1: the time and yeah. then
0: Tim saw me and I'm about like, I'm not myself. I don't, have, you know, I don't have like my girlfriends with me. These guys have their, you know, I can't like go run over and jump in someone's lap and go save me. I mean, you know, I'm trying to be cool, but I've never been so terrified. I was white as a ghost from what Tamos told me. He put his, he came, he put his hand through the seat and just put it on me like this. And he was like, it was like, he was scared. I was scared, but like, it was like, kind of like, I got you, like, I got you. It's going to be fine, and Oof. it was fine, but, I mean, it was, uh, that was, like, the most terrifying flight, and it just, it seemed like it just never ended, but, and, and the worst is when the, you know, the pilot doesn't come on, and he doesn't say shit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, say something, please, so, that yeah. was on and, uh, yeah, and then we had an earthquake, um, which was brutal, but, yeah, I'm here.
1: Oh, man, <laughs> that's wild, that is absolutely wild, and... Yeah. It's crazy. That's just the day to day for Lisa Hillary covering (laughs) sports and how jealous people watching this must be. Do you sometimes you have to give your head a shake and think like, man, like that's just extraordinary. What I have done, you know, what I have accomplished, the people that, that I have met, like I got, and I, I, I've met some, higher caliber people as well. Sometimes I forget too, but for the average Joe that just walks into a bar and any sports figure whatsoever, you know, they could be on the bench. They could be the you know sixth man or seventh man coming off of the bench yeah. of a basketball game to see a celebrity like that uh, yeah. th- it blows their minds, right? To, to just even have a, to have a, a glance at a top tier athlete.
0: Yeah. I funny, just, I never, I... They do. And you're right. And, and people ask me about it. And and I think I was so, and, and I'm mad at myself for this, but I was always just so in the moment that I really never until now I step back. I never kept copies of anything. Like, you know, I just, I never, it was like later on after I left stations, I, you know, I'd call an editor and go, Hey, can you put me together a reel? And it wasn't for like sending it to other stations. It was just for me to have these like special, Moments with athletes like Chris Pronger, Yarmor Yager. I mean, I sat down with him for two hours She's when great. he came back into the league. I mean, the stories he told me, like, I mean, blew me away. Ilya Brzezgalov. And, I mean, just craziness. Um, so, I, and, and, and the other thing, too, like going back to Pembroke. I mean, you and I lived, I mean, this is, this is a military town. The things that, I I mean, I don't know about you, that I saw, I mean, I would, I remember getting up at like three o'clock in the morning for an assignment and going out with these guys on exercises. I wore the full military garb and, you know, had the gun and had that, like, I think back now and I'm like, that was crazy. Like, that was so crazy. And I have no copies of any of that stuff. And it bothers me because I mean, I have the memories, but it just would have been so cool had I had any children, I may have a niece. But just to, to show those great, the stories too. Mm-hmm. But all of those things are are great, and and I've always been so in the moment. You just keep going. But it either it, there was a lot of things that I missed out on. You know, my sister is married and has a daughter. I have all my friends, most of them, for the most part, you know, are are married and have kids. So that took a backseat for me. It was sort of like if it happened, it happened. I had a lot of amazing relationships most of them like long-term, I never had a lot of boyfriends, you know, they were for five, six years at a time, but then I would, you know, get offered a job in another city and I'd be like, okay, got to go. If you're you're on board, we got to go. But it was like, you just go, you can't, you can't not, you can't, it was a better opportunity. It was so, you know, that sucked because I was, I look back now and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I could be living up in the Ottawa Valley with six kids or, and, and maybe enjoying my life, you know, more so than I am now. I don't know. Sounds
1: horrible, Lisa. I don't know what you're talking about. That's fucking nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) That's nonsense. Stop Stop it. I'm going to end this podcast right now. Stop it.
0: I'm like, you know, a few months away from turning 51. And that's probably not in the cards for me, you know? So it's, it is what it is. You, there's give and take, and um, I've, met, I've met a lot of great friends. Now I can go to all these amazing cities and, you know, call someone and, and you know, and, and just, you know, it, but it, it's, it's definitely not all glamorous. There's definitely some things that, that I missed out along the way.
1: Absolutely. Fair enough. Fair enough. But six kids, you're being, you're being crazy. <laughs> now,
0: <Exactly. laughs> I just keep going the dog route.
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of meeting famous people, I'll never forget I was in Mont Tremblant. And it was probably the highest caliber athlete that I'd ever met. And it was Meryl It looked like Meryl Apparently he lives up around that way or has a cottage up around that way. And I saw him park. And being in media, I always want to have a respect for the athletes when they're in their private time, right? And I saw that he was most likely with his family. There was two kids and a lady there. And I always want to be discreet, but I I could not let this opportunity pass. And I just walked over to him in the parking lot and I said, have you ever been told that you have a likeness to a very famous hockey player? And he thought that was pretty funny. And he gave me a smirk. I said, are you, and he goes, oh, you're kidding. Yeah, And I say, can I get a picture? And he goes, like, literally didn't say a word. He just, he smiled and he was really friendly and his son just so awesome, took like two or three pictures just to make sure that I had a good one, and he just walked on his way, and I said, you know, thank you very much, and I was just like, wow, that was just so bananas, right? What was that first person that you met to Mm -hmm. where you could not believe that you were standing in front of this person, whether you were a broadcaster, a PR person, who was that guy?
0: Well, it's funny you say that because when you, and I get it here, you see it in California all the time, right? When they're outside their element and you just see them on the street, like you ran into to Mario, they, they don't look the same because we're used to seeing them in their shit and their stuff. And you know, and then all of a sudden they walk by you on your street and you're like, hmm, is that, you know, you're not sure. And of course now I'm in LA and I see these, these people all the time and I work in real estate, high-end real estate. Yes, I've gone bougie, Jay.
1: <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, Ben Affleck. Comes in for a tour um leo dicaprio these are people that i see i you know katie perry um and and i have to say they and you hear this is it's so cliche but they're just like you and me but they are they are and um and i'm sure there's some jerks along the way i've i've met all these people you know through my life through living out here in la and they could not have been nicer and they really are they don't look anything like they do on television, like nothing. They can like literally walk by you and you're like, so those were some names that it was cool after. And of course, you know, I've got it. i my niece is, you know, 15 going on 30. Um, she's the first person I call every time. And I'm not, and, I, and I'm not going to lie to you. There is one person I haven't met and it's like, it's borderline stalking because most of these people you can find out like where they live and, and stuff. Um, I am a huge Oh god I can't believe I'm about to say this but um I am a huge Justin Bieber fan like yes the Beast, him, him and his wife like I, her yeah. whole style like and people say to me like are you trying to dress like Hailey Bieber I'm like no actually she's trying to dress like me right. like I'm into like the whole I wear on now like the high top sweatpants and the big over like the big blazers and they like she's just a fashion icon mm-hmm. um again I'm old enough to be their maybe grandmother I don't know but I love the Beaks, and he's Canadian, obviously. So my niece Ava always says to me, like, any time, if you run into him, because he always goes to the same coffee shop, you know, you have to Facetime me. She's like, I don't care. She goes to Ashbury. I don't care if you have to Facetime me. I'll leave. I'll I'll leave school. I'll leave class if you've got if you've got him, you know. Yeah. Anyway, it's never happened, and I yeah. just like, I can't believe it. I go with the same coffee shop.
1: No, it is. You want it too bad. That's the problem. But that you're is- a believer you're I a believer <laughs> that's crazy oh my god
0: I have like my Justin Bieber Pandora on 24 7 people yeah. get in my car they're like they say you need to turn this down like we're in Malibu have
1: it's you seen that video before. the pop huh? star video that he did for Drake he's the oh Finn my god that's sick. Another I, I one? Like that.
0: another one. Dude, I can't. That's my favorite lyric
1: song. right there. The drink. Okay. I want that drink and another one. I don't know why.
0: But you kind of remind me of Drake. Does anyone ever say that? Yeah.
1: No, I never get that. I wish. You
0: have, in a second. Yeah, no, yeah.
1: I think the only thing Drake and I have in common is nothing.
0: it's a compliment and the video is fantastic and i feel like such a child even showing people i showed like a couple of the guys that live upstairs in my complex where i am i showed them the video too they were dying i mean it's it's so well done and again i think it shows the respect that they all have for one another Mm -hmm. and i just love that stuff i think it's great it's great Mm Great for well, entertainment, and it's great for what's going on, you know, in the world today that we can look at something like that and just laugh about it.
1: Yeah, that's what I actually really liked about the video was the intro, the setup to it, right? And uh, proud to be Canadian, that's for sure. Yes, and like, we're too, blowing and it up.
0: Really to know that, and I, you know, I came out here and, you know, I've had people say to me, you know, have any of your friends back at home, you know, kind of turned the other cheek and, you know, thought that you, I, absolutely not. And I think the best compliment somebody can give me, and, and I hope, I, I mean, I hope someone like you feels it too, is that... You know, I moved out here to the States in 2006, but I've never forgotten where I came from. And I've never tried to change. I had one network in Boston, actually, and I'll call them out, Nessen. You know, they didn't want me to ever give off any kind of like, you know, a hint or anything that I was like pro-Canadian, which is just ridiculous to me. First of all, you can look me up. Um, and you can hear it in my voice. Sometimes when I'm interviewing a Canadian, they'll come out. I mean, I'm sure at this point, at some point, if somebody was walking by now, they'd say, oh, you know, because you do lose it after a while. Um, but I never forgot where I came from. And as, as often as I can, it's on my Instagram, it's on my Twitter, proud Canadian living in L.A. I, I, I just, you know, I'm a green card holder. I've never, I haven't even thought about um you know, becoming a citizen and getting dual citizen, I really, I mean, obviously, I could vote. God knows what that would do at this point. Um, I vote, <laughs> but um, I, I haven't even thought about it. I don't really know what the advantage, to, you know, would be, to be honest. So, yeah. um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I would never rule out going back home either. But I try and get back as often as I can. My obviously my family's there. and It's far away, but. They come visit and and they get it too we've got the best of both worlds i can you know go back and i miss the fall i miss you know there's 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 a part of the winter that i miss especially at christmas it just doesn't feel like that obviously out here in california but uh it, it's good living if you've been if you've been out here i'm not going to complain
1: yes i've been out there a couple of times yeah. it's beautiful the weather is pretty consistent uh, yeah. It's it's known for not having the humidity but the heat. Is that how it kind of works out there?
0: Yeah, it is. And with unfortunately, with everything going on in the world, especially the fires that aren't, you know, they're far. But we get this stuff that comes down here. And even my cushions outside were full of the soot and the and you're breathing it in and you know so you've right. got everything closed and you know again it's not that all that glamorous it's not what you see it's right. not all the wood it's not all red carpet i mean you know devastation is, is all around us so mm-hmm. you know, obviously our hearts and prayers go to all of those people and you know we're you and i are lucky that you know we're still be able to to to, to work and get up every day and, and we're healthy and knock on wood that uh, you know stays that way
1: yeah well said now i'm going to put you on the spot a little bit i'm wearing my bulls jersey
0: yeah, And well, uh,
1: oh. did, did you watch, it's actually, it's The Worm, by the way. It's not Jordan, it's Rodman. I don't know if you've ever had yeah, the chance to meet either Rodman. Either.
0: I've, I've, I know friends that run into him from time to time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's a bizarre
1: dude, but I'm fascinated by Rodman. I I really like Rodman. He's, he's great. And I really enjoyed watching The Last Dance. Yeah. Uh, did you get an opportunity to watch all 10 episodes?
0: I did. It got better as it went on. I didn't like the whole jumping around, but now I understand why they did it. Right. Um, Met a world piece with somebody, Jay, that I sat down recently. I spent six hours with him in his backyard. He's married to a Canadian. Okay. That's another documentary on Showtime that I highly recommend you watching his story. But he was an amazing, amazing interview. And uh, and that was like a, a three-parter or something. It was, it was crazy. But um, all of those guys are fascinating. They've always got, yeah. the, they've got these great stories. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I really liked The Last Dance as well. And I agree with you as it went on and it progressed. I enjoyed it more yeah. and more. I was really surprised, though, what a bum rap Scottie Pippen got, though. There is not a lot of positivity revolving around Scottie Pippen. They definitely yeah. mentioned how valuable he was to the team and how talented he was. And, you know, they gave him yeah. a nod in regards to when he played, when Jordan wasn't there. All his numbers went up. Like, by far, he's one of the greatest players of all time. that yes. had to play in the shadow of the absolute greatest player of all time. I have to yeah. say, uh, but no, he, uh,
0: Jordan, I, and I agree with you, but the one thing, did you not, did it surprise you? Or maybe you knew this in the documentary about Jordan was that he like, that he was a bit of a dick. Like he, I mean, did you feel like because he was the best and the best he could, he could act like that. Like he was mean. There were parts where like, I get you don't like your general manager, you know? Um, but he, like he was outright mean to Jerry. I just thought to Jerry, I
1: thought it was. You know what I think? Part of it is though too is that we're looking at it through our eyes at fifty-one and forty-three, yeah. and Jordan. At, I believe he's fifty. He may have just turned fifty. Yeah. Uh, you know, he he was old enough to know to act better, but he was also a young man, a young yeah. like I mean, this guy since he was well twenty years old. Yeah, he he's been he's been wealthy. Uh, he's mm-hmm. been on on top of his game. He's on top of the world. He doesn't he he doesn't even play anymore. And I don't think he gets any less attention. It's still Jordan is the greatest of all time. As long as there's a basketball player to play in the NBA, he will always be compared to Jordan. So yes, I think he was asshole. I, I don't think that he was a very kind individual. No, but it yeah. was. It was that type of attitude and it was that type of ego that, that he needed to have to win. Yeah. Would, you, would you trade in that ego to walk away with half the championships or would you stay an asshole if you could do it all over again and win six no, and we'll be known as the again. greatest of all time?
0: Yeah. And he was on camera the entire time. So he was playing it up for sure. But I remember Horace Grant, I don't know if you knew this, but after, you know, he kind of came after this whole thing aired and was like, yeah, that's not exactly how it went. Right. So, you know, you never really know. You're you're selling a documentary. Netflix is doing this thing. And, you know, they also want everyone to play it up. Right. So... Um, but it was fascinating to watch I love I'm mean, a huge documentary yeah um, but going like going back to that like so you greatest player but where does Kobe rank for, for oh, you oh
1: see this is where I'm,
0: I'm not I'm curious I don't know <sighs> yeah, I know all the arrogance is there Kobe had it too but there was something about Kobe that just I and again I only found this out long after
1: right you know, Kobe was a mentality I think that's what we're finding out about him, you know, after the fact, like he, a little yeah. bit of an enigma. Uh, he was most definitely an, an exceptional talent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when I, when I think of Kobe, I think of someone that tried to be like Jordan, right? When I look at a LeBron, I can't compare LeBron to anybody as far as a basketball player. That guy is just a unique phenomenon. Uh, and I, I wouldn't compare him to Jordan either. I have Jordan up here by by a lot. Yeah. I think second is going, let's just keep it guards, just to keep it simple. <laughs> uh, you know, then I'll throw in uh, LeBron James. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has the same longevity as a Kobe. He has the same scoring ability as, as a Jordan to a degree, uh, as well as he has great court vision. He can pass out the dimes. Kobe, as great as he was, I attribute a lot of his success to how long he played. Yeah, uh, and of yeah. course he has the rings, but he would be he would be a three. That would be my my one, two, three as far as guards are concerned.
0: I think it's sad that you know he had to die in order for us to really see what kind of a human being he was. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think it's what I respected what I respect about him is. Um, and how we'll always remember him is obviously the great player, but really what, what a great person he was. And so many of these things that we're finding out, we didn't know because he didn't tell everyone he, he, he did his thing. And, you know, he volunteered and he made hospital visits. He did all these things for people that we didn't know about to women's basketball. And, you know, so that's what I kind of love. And that's what I wish LeBron did a little bit more of is just the less you know, just filter some of this stuff that he does. You know, yeah. but well, again, well, not everyone. And that's what makes the world a wonderful place, right? Because everyone right. is 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 super different. And Kobe grew up. You know, he was in. He started in Italy. I mean, he lived in Italy. He, I think, he spoke yeah. like eight or nine languages. I mean, the guy was. He was a brilliant guy. I mean, uh-huh. he had all the tools. He didn't grow up. He had things when he grew up. He was very lucky. I mean, he was. He, he wasn't poor. You know.
1: Yeah, I see with, with Kobe. If there was. One of the three that I would want to meet, I would want to meet Kobe. He's the most fascinating to me. Me too. Uh, Of course, Jordan was the one with the most hype, and today, you know, LeBron is just the guy. Yeah. LeBron is a little bit too caught up in being the best. He's too caught up in his own legacy. That's my only beef with LeBron you have real beef with LeBron. I just have this well, but it's bullshit true. Like, beef. I don't,
0: like, you know, they ask you the, you know, what's the question? Like how many people, who who would you like to sit down and have dinner with a conversation? Right. Yeah, I'm telling you, it wouldn't be that, you know, I, I don't know, obviously I've never sat down, but he would not be on my list. I mean, yeah. Kobe for sure, maybe Jordan, um, but Kobe just, um, it's just, you know, you know, the intelligence is he's just, I mean, I would learn so much from talking to him. I would have a million questions for him that had nothing to do with ba- basketball. Right, you know? right. Because um, I could learn from someone like him and, and just things that he has gone through and adversity that he has gone through and just the whole thing in Colorado with the woman and the, you know, I mean, those are things and this, this guy that's doing the book that's coming out, unfortunately, Kobe wouldn't grant him an interview. He did all these great interviews with Shaq and these other guys, but Kobe wouldn't do it because he was going to ask him and he's like, I can't do a book on you from 99 through you know 2004 and not ask you. About this time in your life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. through 2009 and and kobe's like i then i'm out i can't i don't want to talk about that and fair enough you know um we all have some you know baggage or you know we're all a little damaged in some ways and that was sort of like you know the one thing i think on him that some people never got over
1: yeah i don't know if i would want to have stuff like that on me we're just talking about jordan He had to release some dirty laundry. There's obviously lots that we didn't get to hear. They didn't talk about his marriages any.
0: No, no. And
1: I think of myself and man, I am so glad that there are thousands of times that I've lost my composure during my lifetime or I've done something that I'm not happy about. And there is no, there's no video evidence. I'd hate for some people to even hear some of the things uh, that I've said during my life. So for these guys to be, be public figures and have to face the scrutiny that they do, it's almost like a side job to the sport that they're playing. I can only imagine. And some of them bring it on themselves, obviously. You know, you get to paint sure. your own picture. Uh, yeah. and, you, know, you choose how how you react and what you yeah. decide to share with the world. And, you know, there's some people that get it a little bit more than others. And, you know, outside of Kobe's, you know, the little, the personal problems... It's obvious that he's one of those individuals that was really focused on trying to do more good in the world than he was trying to create yeah. any type of harm. Now, yeah. Lisa, this has been a fascinating chat. It's like been drinking through a fire hose, like all oh, sports, 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 sports. And there's something that I, now, I the know. The only thing you. missing
0: is a beer.
1: yeah, and your what? Emmy. Where do you keep those? Do you want me to go get them? Yeah, go no, get them. Um, <laughs> Come on. Yeah, i surprised you um, didn't have them all in the background. Oh,
0: they're just keeping yes, back I there. That's so funny because, no, I don't. And I actually sent one of them. I have two, and I sent one home to Canada. And my mom sent it back after, like, I don't know, a year or something. She's like, you need to put these out. I'm like, no, I really don't. Right. Um, so right now, I actually, I did take them out of the closet about six months ago, only because I got a new dresser. And I have all these shout- books, and I had nowhere to put them. So... Um, there are actually bookends um, in my room uh, right oh, now. Oh, that's a and thing. So, and it's so funny because last night I was watching the Emmys, and I sent this photo—I um, don't know if you can see it—to my With family. Him. They're like, my two Emmys are here, and then I'm watching the Emmys. So I kind of thought it was fun, but I would <laughs> never—I would never post such a thing. Um, right. But anyway, it's—it's it's, again, it's one of those things that I—I I just. I got and I don't think back and go, wow, that was cool. I just did good work, I guess, and was rewarded for it. And it was awesome. But then I, you just kind of keep going. And I guess maybe now I reflect back on those things cause I'm not in television full time anymore. And I'm like, okay, that was kind of, that was cool. That was cool.
1: Yeah, you've done <laughs> a lot of cool things and you've influenced a lot of people's lives. I mean, I people's know, sports are important to them and, you know, you're a face that someone would see multiple times every week, right? You're almost a show of, of your own. I, it's just, it's, it's an amazing, uh, the impact that as media personalities you can have on, on other individuals. And it doesn't mean that everybody that watches it is like, oh my God, Lisa Hillary, you're the best, the best. But there's people out there that most definitely, especially with your personality, I, I can speak to you opposed to speaking about other broadcasters, et cetera. Uh, but there's a personality that you exude, and there there's a kindness, and uh, you have a very genuine nature that obviously has stood the test of time. That I'm sure continues to serve you well today, uh, and that people remember. I, even the name, like Lisa Hillary, no one's going to forget that name. You are a TV legend. You're a TV sports legend, and you accomplished so much. Perfect. And uh, and you're obviously you're incredibly humble, uh, but to honestly have you here on the launch pad and have a conversation with me and to be able to call you a friend, even though we don't see each other as much as we should. I think it was six, six years ago I, ha- I was in L.A. I think I was – no, Houston.
0: No, we were in Houston, Texas. In let's Houston. not talk about that. Moment. Okay, let's
1: not talk about that. Uh, but, yes, I, I think it's just so fascinating.
0: Hillary, on the Hillary Road tour.
1: <laughs> now, here's something I did not know about you, and I was fascinated when I read it. Uh, is that you played on the Quebec Provincial Junior Golf Team at the age of 13. And has this been beaten, but you are the youngest female to ever win at that level uh, under 18? You know whether or not this stands or not. You still the record holder?
0: Uh, I, yeah, I might still. I was 13, going to be 14. And, uh, yeah, it was a playoff with an 18-year-old at Richelieu in Quebec. And um, and I won. And, yeah, it was crazy. Like Again, like things that I just – you know, um, but yeah, I, I yeah played a lot of golf, and uh, you know, as I said earlier, you well, this is the story my dad tells. You know, she met boys, and and that was it. You know, mm-hmm. you play when you're really really young, and you just like it's all you do, and then you know you don't do anything else, and you don't meet other you know. So then I, you know, yeah, started playing other sports, started playing some tennis, and I actually just recently spent way too much money and got some new equipment. And uh, they're still sitting in the back of my truck. <laughs> I think I hit balls once.
1: How good is your golf game?
0: Just, I mean, I think it's, you You play at a level and yeah, was I shooting in the 80s at 13, 14? Yeah, which is crazy to think. Yeah. Now I go out now at 50 and I want to shoot in the 80s. Yeah.
1: I'm
0: a sore loser. I'm not kidding you. Like, you know, I hit a buck, bucket of balls when I first got the clubs And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I set up my little camera and I was videoing myself. And my mom's like the club champion, like what a five time club champion or something back in Ottawa at the Hump Club. And I was like sending her my swing, like thinking, oh my God, like this is like, look, I'm hitting the ball straight. And then she like responded back with like, you need to keep your left arm straight. And I'm like, excuse me? Whoa, (laughs) Um, and I couldn't, whoa, the criticism. but I, I just, yeah, I, I need to get back out there. It's I don't have time. I mean, it's like five hours to play around a round of golf. And with COVID out here, the golf courses started to open again. I mean, people were getting out there. They were camping out there like till four, at four o'clock in the morning, wait, waiting for the course to open. So, and I don't want to play with anyone else. Like I, like no, I want to master my game on my own before I go out and play with these people like you who think I was good. Um, I hate when people read that about me because it's everywhere. I can't get rid of it on the internet.
1: Well, you should take it off your profiles. <laughs> I,
0: I know, <laughs> but it's like on there. It's like there's stuff on All Google right. that I just can't get rid of. It kills me.
1: So let's uh, finish with this, Lisa. Oh, go ahead. You were going to say something else. No, Don't No, that's, let me that's that. one
0: of them. I just, uh, you want to be able to like just go out as if you've never played golf before and then just wow them as if, oh my God. I, right.
1: I, I, Make some money.
0: There you go. Yeah,
1: playing with Leonardo and the boys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... Uh, being a, a female broadcaster when that just wasn't the thing, working in PR when you're one of two that we're doing it in the league, uh, to setting yourself apart from other people in the industry, winning Emmys, all that kind of stuff. What would be the one piece of advice that, you would give people in regards to following their dreams and if you want to make this specific to like a young lady out there that's thinking about maybe being a trailblazer in an industry that hasn't really taken off yet or just to any professional dreamer in general uh, what would you offer as, as a piece of advice for them
0: well, I'm mentioning I'm mentoring a couple now. One currently, she's in Kansas City, and the, there's a guy in Toronto that, you know, will call me for advice. So it, it's really, it doesn't matter, guy or girl. And I think that broadcasting in general has, has really evolved and changed over the years. And, you know, you know, like back in the day, you know, you had to be able to shoot, edit. I mean, we'd carry, remember the new RO, you'd have to carry the camera on, you, you know. So, now it's like even at the local level it blows me away how spoiled I am at CBS that they write everything they you know you just have to seriously show up and honestly if you wanted to just read off the teleprompter and you don't have to do anything which blows me away because that's not nor I mean normally you have to you know tweak a few things and you do so I was really spoiled um, and that doesn't happen. So I was like super lucky to have these great, you know, producers and APs and PAs, production assistants around me to help make me better. But nowadays, um, and that's, you know, that's, that's, that's not normal. Um, But with these kids now that are calling me, I mean, they're getting, I mean, they're starting off making 20 some thousand a year, 30,000 a year um, tops in like, in a decent market and I'm like what like when I started in 96 doing PR for the senators I was in the 40s that mm-hmm. was my first job mm-hmm. they're paying these kids 20s and they're like so I'm not saying get out of it while you can I'm just saying learn other things while you're there don't come out of college and go I want to be on air it's never gonna happen Like just don't think that way get into a station doing a PA I ain't even applied I'm working in real estate. I even apply because I'm fascinated by television. I'm actually fascinated more about what goes on behind the scenes than I am on camera. For me, I never cared about being on camera. I had like co-anchors that would say to me, why does she have one more on camera in this block than I do? Like have, have it. I don't care. You can have all on cameras. To me, I was loved highlights and that kind of thing. I, you know, so That's what I tell these guys don't like learn about how to write a highlight and all of those things before you learn how to be a presenter, figure it all out, learn how to shoot, learn how to edit, because you know what, a lot of that's coming back now. And everything, anything you can do online, you see a lot of these networks. Now, the broadcasters are also writing stories for their Uh website. Uh It's not like just web writers, just on camera, they're doing both. So it's a grind. But if you love what you do, you should never have to work a day in your life, right? Right. And, you know, I'm so lucky that, you know, I have been blessed to work with some really good people. But as as we've seen in the last couple of months, the emails that I'm getting, the layoffs, I mean, 13 layoffs with really good friends of mine in Washington, D.C., let them all go. And then in, in San Francisco, my friend Kelly, who's been covering the San Francisco Giants, she covered the Washington Redskins for the better part of seven years. Her contract's up. So you've got to reinvent yourself. I mean, I was lucky. I got out of it on my terms. I had a long-term contract in Boston. I decided it was, it was enough for me eight months in. I broke the contract, so because I had this real estate thing kind of l- lined up. But you have to be able to evolve. You know, people aren't. You know, I hate to say it. and That's the one thing with women is you don't see a lot of fifty-some-year-olds, especially in sports, on television. Hannah Storm, God love her. I was watching her this morning on SportsCenter, ESPN. She's one of the lucky ones, you know. But there's not that many, especially when they can go out and get a girl or a guy and pay them twenty or thirty. Right. So. You know, you're you're super lucky, but I always say never pigeonhole yourself into one thing, and especially even one career. The more you can do, um, the better. And it's not about going to school and getting educated, just figure it out, like get out, and talk to the community. I'll sit at i I'm by myself. I'll, I'll, I'll go to a pub and sit at a bar and start talking to someone. The next thing you know, you know, six months from now, the guy's like some big wig in the entertainment business and you know, offering me a job. And I get that a lot and it's it's awesome. But it's, you know, just talk to people and and um and make connections. It's all about connections, no matter where you live.
1: Did everyone have their pad open for that? And like <laughs> you read all that down. I was I,
0: was, I don't know. I'm just was like, a guide to
1: life right there. I was like
0: <laughs> verbal, verbal diarrhea. But people say to me, it's you're like, how do you know that person? I'm like, I don't know. yeah. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. So, so
0: don't get into any unmarked white pants
1: Okay, don't. don't do that. Yeah, fair enough. So in in summary. Uh, don't get into white unmarked vans, LeBron, get your shit together, and Biebs, call me. This is Lisa Hillary. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I also want to give some love to my sponsor, and that would be Gallant Media for websites, graph design, print materials, anything customizable, including sweet little mugs like this. Look at that. That's me. That's supposed to me. Without the wrinkles, though, so I look a little bit younger. That'd be galantmedia.ca. Gallant Thank you once again, Lisa. It was an absolute treat. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Jay.